0: Welcome to the Love Mafia Lounge where we explore topics from breathwork to blockchain that we all need to learn more about so that we can grow our consciousness, connectivity and creativity through love Maybe for the first time ever we're all now deeply out of our comfort zones at the same time Like it or not This gives us the chance and responsibility to regenerate ourselves, our work, our families, our communities, our realities, and even our planet by becoming more human and blazing a new path towards exponential humanity through our connected love for life itself. Love never fails when it's given the chance to perform, so why don't we just make that the starting point for everything we do? The aim of this podcast is to help us all do that with authentic and heartful conversations with Love Mafia from around the world. Thanks for joining us. Get comfortable and settle in for a while. I'm your host, Marcus Lechtel, and today I'll be speaking with Christopher Neville, born in 1937 in South Africa, and referred to as a life smith by those that have experienced him. In this chat, you'll see why. His approach to work, relationships, parenting, and the meaning of life reflects his own approach to living, which is eclectic, drawing as much on his embodied wisdom from nature, the esoteric, the mythological, the mystical, as it does on philosophy and letters. He is the founder of the Harlequin Experience, his foundational program in the realm of human intelligences, and how to make the unknowable, the unspeakable, somehow more comfortable and familiar to us. He works with private individuals and companies, helping leaders uncover the layers that tend to conceal the authentic human being waiting to be released from within. Hi, Christopher. It's really wonderful to have you on on the show today, and I'm really excited to talk to you. You've been going through many, many transformations and transitions, especially over the past couple of uh, months and years since we've known each other, and we're going to have a chance to chat about that and a few other things. So first of all, welcome.
1: Thank you. thank you marcus you say the nicest things and it's very very nice to be here and i look forward to creating something exciting
0: well i ho- i hope so i'm sure it will be if if our previous conversations and meetings are any guide i think that we're in for a for a wonderful half hour together so so thank you once again
2: yeah.
0: so the issue that i've been really thinking about these days um, especially now that we're going through change at such a um, At such a broad level, you know, everything in our world is very, very different now than it was, you know, just a couple of months ago. And the speed of this, um, let's say, different playing field, you know, the the speed at which it came to us, uh, nobody really could have anticipated. But it's something in my own life that I've been going through in different other playing fields, you know, very important pillars of my life that have shifted over the past couple of years. And each of these have always brought me face to face with... This idea of, you know, imagining my future self and, and in my work also, this is what I've been doing for, for ages and I know you have as well. So, I found this interesting discovery in a book that I was reading the other, uh, well, that I've been trying to get through for the past couple of months. And it kind of uh, highlighted the fact that um, scientifically now, we can see that literally part of our brain shuts down and this can be shown through fMRI scannings, uh, scanning techniques. Uh, so when we consider our future ourselves, our future selves, you know, our brain, our conditioned brain actually shuts down. And that makes it um, nearly impossible for us to think our way into our future self. And um, that's quite an interesting thing. And when we think of other people, actually, then our conditioned uh, brain, let's say our prefrontal cortex, actually lights up and... Um, you know, it's, it's active. And this is why we find it very easy to give advice to other people and to kind of mingle in other people's lives and things like that. But we find it so difficult to do to ourselves. And this kind of um, represents this quote from Tolstoy's that, Tolstoy, that um, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody thinks about changing themselves. And um, both si- on the kind of scientific side and also in, in the kind of... Um, you know, since the beginning of time, since we started, you know, figuring out what is this whole human story all about, we've probably struggled with that. I mean, we even hear about it in the Bible in you know, the kind of Jonah complex, you know, where the idea is that, you know, you can't uh, fully grasp the power within you to make change because it's, it's frightening and we don't know how to think about that. And the kind of prince that doesn't want to become king because, you know, to be great is, is asking something really important from us that we really, to be our best self is not something we can truly intellectualize. And uh, we see also on the other hand of, on the other side, uh, you know, people in in the working in corporations. And now that we're going through this kind of, or anybody that's had a job where you're especially forced to tell somebody else's story. It's not your own story, but it's just repeating somebody else's dream or their vision. And that becomes, you know, soul destroying. And people, you know, this is the biggest leading uh, source of depression in the world of work. it just that when your work is not meaningful and you're pushing somebody else's agenda forward, you know, uh, it might light up our brain, but it makes us weak and it takes us down and it makes us depressed and miserable and disconnected. So this is a kind of um, fundamental dilemma, as I can understand in life, is, you know, how do we imagine our future self? And now that we need to all do that at a kind of enormous scale at the same time, this is probably society's biggest problem. Is is we're almost coming face to face with this um, uh, great challenge that has tackled, uh, you know, humanity since day one. And I wanted to have a chat with you about that today and kind of um, pick your brain a little bit about the experiences that you've had in your life and the various um, times that you've had to imagine your future self. And what are the kind of um, tools and, and tricks up your sleeve, you know, as a lifesmith, like you call yourself, uh, that, you know, we should know about.
1: As always, um, I, I'm, I'm always surprised when we are surprised by a different reality of life that comes, comes to us. And um, I didn't know it as a fact until you brought it to my attention that in point of fact, the, a part of our brain shuts down as soon as we uh, try to imagine ourselves as another thing, a future thing, a better thing, an improved thing or one hopes that it's always on the on the plus side um, and the, the brain simply can't contemplate that. Well, we know this. Try feeding two separate instructions into a computer simultaneously. Not much is going to happen. And this is what we're trying to do. Here we have Model A, which is me as I am now, and what we're saying to Model A, which therefore functions in a particular way. Now, imagine yourself being Model B. It's a contradiction. It's a paradox. No wonder the brain shuts down. And it says, you're asking me to imagine me in the moment, at that particular point in time, as something completely different. Can't be done The circuits simply can't
0: do it. How much of that do you think is related to the fact that, you know, we can only imagine what we've previously done? So we have, if we look at ourselves through the course of life, and there's quite a bit of scientific research also now coming to that, that no matter what our age is, and, you know, no matter what we're going through in our life, we always think that we're... um, when, when we're kids, maybe we feel a bit different. We have this great uh, expectation about growing up, and we we want to be an adult. But pretty well after that moment, you know, we get into this um, space where we can't imagine beyond that. And maybe as our body slows down, and just the kind of um, inertia of growth in general, when that slows down, and it's just then up to our own mind to figure out the rest, because our body's already starting to go downhill if you don't, if we don't uh, take care of it. You know, there's nothing supporting us other than our own. Uh, I guess skills that we or are kind of our own mindset, let's say, and if our mindsets are formed by our past behaviors only um, and you know maybe that's the whole thing you know, there's this conditioned brain. I mean that's the whole point of the conditioned brain is to repeat conditions and just be you know to know what it's already done but this issue of newness and the issue of um, growth and kind of just from change to look at it is growth and development. Uh, it comes down to that, you know, how do we learn and where do we learn from? And what is the source of inspiration for, you know, for that learning? Where, where do your sources of learning come from and where have they come from? And throughout the experiences you've had in your life, what have been the biggest teachers?
1: Yeah, you see, again, it's this business of learning and it's the trap that we have fallen into. And we talk about growth as far as human beings are concerned. I'm not sure that I like that analogy because it seems to lead us into cul-de-sac and a trap. What, and we are we actually talk about it, but we don't do anything about it. All that we can do is develop what we have already arrived here with. The Platonic model, as he outlines it in uh, what's his book. Um, the Republic. I'll think a bit of it. In a, the Republic, as he outlines it in the Republic, in chapter ten or is it chapter eleven, where he gives us a model of reincarnation, where in and I'm simplifying it a bit. It's worth the read, and it's, it uh, it is downloadable. That he simplifies it a bit by saying there comes a time when we decide that we need to incarnate again. Oh, now this might. Uh, contradict certain people's philosophies when they think that reincarnation is is a load of of rubbish well okay there's nothing I can do about that and perhaps we can have another discussion about the the whole philosophy of reincarnation at some stage but not going to go there now and there comes a time where, wherever it is that we are uh, at that particular point in time that we decide we need to incarnate again There is a very strong esoteric theory, if you like, that in point of fact, we incarnate as many as 25,000 times. Now, there's a boulder in the pool of your complacency.
0: We we like to call that reincarnating without dying. (laughs) You know, I think it's part of the process. But anyway, yeah. No, 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 you've got to die. Yeah, but we don't have to physically die. We might just, you know, die within the scope of even being alive and just re-begin.
1: Well, you now pick up on another theme of mine, and I'm doing my best not to get too distracted, is that you can't kill people. You can only kill bodies. People do not die. The spirit who is me needs to develop from life to life. Now, go back to the Platonic model. In effect, what he is saying, if you read that, is that we are who we are. Why is it that way? I don't know. What the actual mechanics of the process are? I don't know. Who created me? I don't know. But it's not important for getting a grasp on this. And I decide to come down again. And one of the decisions that I have to make is, what am I going to do this time? And in the platonic model, we go to some sort of costumer, and we make a decision that this time I'm going to be a man, and the circumstances of my life are going to be this, and are going to be that, and are going to be this, and are going to be that. And then I make, I cross the, liver, the river of Vete, forgetfulness, and I incarnate. That's a whole, slightly messy process in the human condition because we have to go through the whole process of birth, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which again could be an interesting topic for conversation um, at some at some future stage. Now, when we arrive here, we arrive here with talents. It's interesting that the old Roman word for money, coinage, were talents. We arrive here with these talents embedded in us, as it were. What they have to do, what we have to do, if we're going to get in there, is develop them. Now, the photographic analogy here is delicious. And I I like it very much. Like when you take a photograph of something in the old days, not with the electronics in the old days, when you took a photographic image of something on paper, you then had to subject that paper to all sorts of processes, some of them quite harsh, involving all sorts of quite strong fluids, etc., to bring out the image that was there. True. And what we have to do is develop. Now, this leads to the next thing. We have a system of what we laughingly call education. And we teach our children, and I know because I've gone through it a few times, absolutely nothing. And is that an exaggeration? Not much, I'm afraid. I wish it was a total exaggeration. But we teach them nothing about being human, about who they actually are. Nothing. All that we do is attempt with great wisdom, with great, no malice about it at all, is to inculcate the memory of a whole lot of facts. All of a sudden, it becomes vital for me to know that the Battle of Waterloo was fought in 1812. Is that accurate?
0: Is it important? There's another story. I mean, it depends also where you're educated. Everybody's view of the world is completely different, and that perpetuates the old... Patterns of all societies and our cultures and, you know, what we became.
1: We The word itself is fascinating. Again, the etymology of the word education, if you go back into the Latin, which is where it has its roots, education comes from the root of educare, which means to call forth, to develop that which is latent. And we arrive here with a latent game plan. That is never, ever exploited in our current system. Our parents bring us up. I love that phrase, too. You know, the only thing that we bring up is something that we vomit and that is disagreeable to us. (laughs) After a night out, you bring up whatever's rotting in your stomach, and then you feel much better. Hello? An interesting analogy. We bring up our children.
0: Well, it's a really reactive way of um, both as a physical process but also of behaving in the world, isn't it? You know, just there we, to, go. You know. there we
1: go. Whereas, in point of fact, our purpose as teachers, as parents, is to develop that which is latent in the child.
0: So how easy is that to do as a parent? I mean, I struggle with that myself, you know, with a 13-year-old son who is now for the first time in at least our generation not at school but learning from a computer and you know he's around and it's kind of I you know looking at what you're saying and I think what we all feel is that you know education is obviously quite a bit off track and possibly has been for a very very long time possibly even including our own education you know if we go back as yeah.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. I The only thing that continues to amaze me is the level of my ignorance about who I am, about what I am. Because with great love, the education system enfolded me in its embrace. With great love, my parents offered me a chance to incarnate, and they created a body for me which I took over, and I came down here with great excitement, and I thought, wow, This is a new opportunity to educare, to call forth that which is latent, to call forth that when I went into the platonic cave and chose what I thought I might like to experience this time, I took it on, and I thought, right, I'm going to go down there and experience it. I've created my own myth, which I use from time to time. Imagine that you, the soul, the being, essential you, is sitting somewhere, wherever, uh, with the creator, whatever that might mean in your lexicon, and you make a decision. I think I would like to go down there. So you approach the man in charge, committee, man, doesn't matter, whatever system you want to sort of fit this into, and you say... You know, I've been hanging around here for a while now. I think it's time I went down there again. Because this wonderful place where we incarnate is the place of one magical thing. Experience. Very little happens in that other place. Let's just call it heaven for the sake, and please do not confuse it with the religious meanings of heaven. That other place where we are because everything there is perfect, true, it's perfect. It's not the place of experience. You sit on a pink cloud or a green tussock or something else of that nature, and life just is. It's a process of is-ness. I, th-
0: yeah, I think that that's an amazing way to look at it. It really opens up a new path, I think, we we all need to walk maybe for the first time as well. And that is that, you know, we need to stop looking at education as this kind of standalone activity in our life. And like you mentioned, experience, if that is the ultimate teacher, you know, we have to look at life as, you know, a constant uh, playground for learning. And that doesn't start, nor does it end. It's a continuous process as long as you're alive, if you frame it in the right context. And I think that we're...
1: The main subject that you have to learn is you. Yeah. And you can tack on some interesting things, some interesting facts about the rather fascinating oak tree that I sit here in my study and and look at. It's a fascinating oak tree. And it's just beginning to throw out new buds. The the bare branches are developing that springtime fuzz, which is, I can learn the facts about that. Great. I can learn the facts about the sun getting up in the east and setting in the west. Fascinating stuff. But it contributes nothing to who I am. It contributes you nothing to my own personal development. The stuff that I made a promise. Yes. You see, going back to my little fairy story, when I go to the man and the committee, whatever you want to call him, um, or it, and say, It's time I went back down there. And the, let's just make it personal, makes his story easier. The man says, Yes, I think it's a good idea.
0: So Um, what kind of answers do you actually foresee? I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but I think it's a really cool point that we just kind of got stuck into right there. So if we look at the course of a lifetime and somebody who was born, let's say your own life, just to make it the most personal, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, going back in time to when that happened, the world that you could have potentially as a, you know, a potential human, let's put it this way, to become incarnated into a body for a lifetime, come up with a checklist of things to do, uh, to actually imagine how, You know, significantly life could change over the course of, you know, many decades, you know, in 85 years or whatever the number is, you know. And um, how much of that is foreseeable even at that time? Or does the soul at that point know everything in your view? And could you, how specifically would you enter or kind of engage with that checklist? I mean, what are the milestones? Is it marriage? Is it career? Is it some form of financial success in in talents or in euros or what, you know, what, what how would we even approach um, that kind of stage? What, what do you imagine when you talk about that?
1: It's extremely difficult. And quite frankly, I don't know the answer. One of the things that needs to be done, for example, is to be taught how to introspect, how to go into yourself. And it's one of the things that we don't teach. It's regarded in general terms as kind of rule stuff with the art of meditation yeah. who, can honestly, who can honestly say out there that they have a good solid personal relationship with their subconscious mind
0: I don't know I'm getting better at it but um, well, you know, <laughs> I enjoy my own company much more and I always did actually but,
1: uh... but, you, but you see you and I because if we look at our, our own particular backgrounds, we we're particularly blessed because we grew up outside the so called civilized world. I think
0: that's so important. And w- right where you are right now, I'm partially, extremely jealous, you know, being stuck in the center of Istanbul and there you are in the middle of a farm in nature. So uh, an oak tree. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. There is great wisdom there. So,
1: you. Don't do it. Our children. Let me carry on with my story. Yes. The because it's it's it, it, is, it is a story. So the, the 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 main man. Let's just call him the main man to give him as and controversial an identity as, as possible. Says yes, all right. I think it's good that you go back down. I think mm-hmm. it's good. So I say right. I'm off. I'm, Creating a fairy story here, a fairy tale. I'm off. And the the, the main man says, no, 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 no. no! It's not that simple. It's easy, but it's not that simple. So I say, oh, what's the problem? He says, well, why? What's your purpose going to be down there? So I say, ah, ah, I thought you might ask that, and I've been thinking about it. So this time, and this is a fairy story so and I'm simplifying it, what I would like to experience, what I'd like to uncover within myself is the power that I have for forgiveness. And the main man looks at me and says, hmm, tough one, that. Yes, okay, good. So I say, right, I'm off. I'll go and make the necessary arrangements. And the main man says, (laughs) not that simple easy but not that simple I said oh what's the problem he said well if you're going to forgive somebody then you've got to have somebody that does something nasty to you ah I never thought of that and the main man says yes I know you do. That's my job. That's why I have this job, because I'm paid to think of those kind of things. But he says, it's not the end of the world. Let's see. So he talks to the other assembled, shall we call them souls, beings, spirits, whatever, they're sitting there listening, entranced to this conversation. And he says, anybody got an idea here? And a hand goes up at the back and says, maybe I can be of assistance. And the man says, hmm, come, come. So the other other little being, soul, comes forward and says, I've decided that I would like to go back there. And I have a very clear idea of why. And the main man says, Uh-huh. He says, why? He said, because this time what I would like to be is a perfect shit. (laughs) I would like to be very unpleasant. A monster. Why? Because that's an experience I've never had. So the main man says, Wow. Wow. Step aside the monsters on this world. Good. You two can see how you two should have a conversation. So... I sit down with the other soul and we arrange that we will meet at some stage in the future, whatever. You can elaborate this. And eventually we come to an agreement. And then the second little soul says to me, but remember this, remember this. When I do something awful to you, I do it with love. Because that's my purpose. And that enables you to fulfill your purpose, because then you can forgive me. And that way we can have a relationship, and in that way we can fulfill the purpose of our lives. Now, is that a bit of a fanciful story? I'm not sure. <laughs> because when I contemplate what's going on at this particular point in time, that uncovers who I am and what I can do. That is educated, calling forth that which is latent.
0: What if there's many things that are latent? What if it's not just one? What if we don't have just of, this one purpose? I mean, can we not have a multitude of purposes?
1: Of, uh, I don't know of the limitations. We, we are told often enough that the connections that the human brain is uh, actually capable of make the average computer look quite stupid. But we don't—we don't even engage a small fraction of them. I believe the figure is that we engage no more than about five or ten percent of the brain.
0: Well, I think that exactly. this comes down to two interesting points, actually. And the first is that our conditioned brain, with the one that is functioning like a calculator, is really only about 10% of our brain. The other intelligences that we have that we don't know how to give words to, or they're unspeakable Absolutely. or unknowable, is really the way that our other part of our brain works. But uh, technically, we have about 100,000 heartbeats uh, a day. And we have about 86,000. A person over the age of 35 has an average of around uh, 75 to 85 th- thoughts per day. But about ninety-five percent or more of those thoughts are just repetitive thoughts that you had the previous day, and the previous day, and the previous day. And there's very little mm-hmm. new thinking going on. There's a lot of thoughting, but mm-hmm. not a lot, of, not a lot of thinking. Let's say going mm-hmm. on. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And yes, yes. Uh, this five percent rule, or whatever, max ten percent, I guess you could say, is you know something that actually is expressed everywhere around us in nature. I mean. We only know about, you know, a very small fraction of what the whole universe is. You know, it's uh, yes. part largely unknown, dark energy, dark matter. We still have no idea what these things are. We've only drilled 15 kilometers into the earth. Beyond that, we're guessing, and we don't know. We've, we've still never gone to the bottom of the ocean, you know, is an example. An example. So,
1: absolutely. We applaud, and there's reason to applaud, when we send a spacecraft out to the outer limits of our solar system, and we say, wow. And it's not even a zero, 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 zero zero fraction of the universe that is actually out there.
0: Or that we know to be out there, which is possibly nothing. I just read the other day that our solar system may actually be at the center of a black hole in in the universe. (laughs) 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 So uh, what do we really know, you know? Indeed,
1: indeed, 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 indeed. And we are part of that. We are infinite in our complexity. And we need we we perhaps need to come down here many thousands of times to explore and to engage with the possibility of what we are. Do we know what we are? No.
0: Yeah, perhaps we'll never know, and I mean because we don't know anything. So I mean, it's it would be insane to you know think that we could know. So I think that actually answers our question by traveling into this question through a riddle. We've come out the other side with no smarter, perhaps, but maybe a little bit more comfortable with the idea that we don't actually have to know, and that uh, it's the human condition not to know. And it's
1: it's the, the, the photographic image there falls falls flat. Because once we've developed that photographic image, it, it implies a kind of finality that that's all there is. Ah, there's a whole spool of film. How, much, how long? I don't know. That is waiting to be called forth. And yeah. you got it. Yes. The word is deadly, deadly accurate. There's another lovely legend, which I sometimes tell. It might be appropriate here, yeah, and it might be an appropriate book, way to close. Um, about the group of monks, it's always monks, living in some deep valley in the Himalayas, it's always the Himalayas, because they're remote and you can't get there, must be very uncomfortable. And they had set themselves the task of uncovering all the various names of God. Well, it's not dissimilar to what we're actually attempting to do. And a smart computer salesman heard of them and thought, aha, I've got just the thing for them. So after much painful exploration, he found them. And they were very generous to the stranger, and they welcomed him in. And he said, I believe you're looking for all the names of God. And they said, yes. He says, how are you doing? He says, mm, not bad, but uh, it's an enormous task issue. I've got just the machine. And after some heavy persuasion, he was a very good salesman, he persuaded them to buy his smart computer, the system that would reveal to them all the names of God and therefore fulfill their purpose. And the monks because perhaps they weren't all that clever. They'd been buried in their mountain valley for a long time. Simple, but So, Okay. And they started the machine, and it printed page after page after page all the names of God. And after some years, the salesman wondered how they were doing. So he went back into the valley, and he said, How are you guys doing with this? Are you getting any? And the guy said, I think so. Because every now and again, the machine stutters and seems to stop as though it's searching. In other words, whereas before it ran smoothly because there was so much available information out there. Now it stops and stutters as though it's looking. So maybe we're getting close. And the salesman thought, wow. He said, can I stay? And they said, sure. Uh, he was given quarters where he could stay and the years passed and then one day they came to him and they said come the machine is slowing right down it looks as though we might have succeeded in finding all the names of God and they hurtled off to where the room was and indeed the machine was barely ticking over then it stopped and one of the monks came roaring in and he said come come quick come and look and they looked up into the night sky and slowly one by one the stars flickered and went out and there was nothing The point is the journey, not the discovery of the end. The point is to learn all the names of God, to explore this magnificent life that we have in all its complexity. Not for the sake of getting an answer, but for the sake of the exploration. We are unlimited. We do not even begin to know what the human brain is capable. Done. Educate. Let's just call it forth. Can we? What a wonderful journey.
2: What a wonderful process. But the big challenge, the big question that we all have to answer is: who are you? Why are you? How many of you? out there that are listening to this actually know why you're here? How many of you actually know who you are? Do I have the perfect answer for myself, I grow up? Please. I too am, but in swaddling clothes, teeter tottering from one tussock to the next. to totter we must and sometimes we will fall and we have fallen many times in the past it seems that the purpose of life for me the purpose of life is not to succeed it's to make mistakes because as soon as you make one mistake that opens up another possibility And that's what life is about, an unending succession of possibilities, of things that we have not thought of before. Because when we have thought of them all before, when we have discovered all the names of God, then what's the point? Slowly, one by one, the stars will go out. And I don't believe in that. Our mythology is riddled with this, and our myths contain basic truths which we misinterpret, which we don't understand. Good. You, as a human being, are an unending book with line after line of complexity. This is like one ending followed by another ending, followed by another ending. It's wonderful. You should shout from the hilltops and say, Ray, I'm alive. My one foot goes in front of the other and I breathe. And when this body dies, I will be alive again. Can't kill people. You can only kill bodies, and, in the words of the great prophet, it's quite fun making new ones.
0: Well, I think that the conversations are, are an important step in that, into kind of yeah. you know, what I call gossip for good. You know, because we're as uh, social animals, we talk a lot, and we generally talk about a lot of stupid stuff. And we generally watch and repeat, you know, and you know, stuff that doesn't need to be said, which is why we don't have any original thoughts. And it's by tackling these kind of very deep issues that go to the bone that are possibly not resolvable, but nevertheless uh, important to talk about. And that's where dreams, at least for me, of things like utopia can emerge because they don't often present themselves as visible objects in your daily life unless you dig like hell and work with others to kind of uh, test the waters and uh, explore.
1: There we go. There we go.
0: So we need more of this. So thank you, Christopher. I hope that we'll have a chance to continue this conversation in many Anyway, enjoy yourself. I, you're in you're in paradise, and uh, I look forward to next time seeing you in a video. And we have to do something live no, as well that we can
1: we can show. No, you no, I, I'm not. I'm not in paradise. I can't imagine any place more boring than paradise. Can you imagine? <laughs> Be- because nothing happens.
0: You know? Well, I don't know. Maybe
1: my, we my rene- we
0: need to redefine it then. Maybe we've got the wrong idea of what paradise ah, is. Ah, we should call it something my, else. My, <laughs>
1: As I, As I sit here I, here, I call forth the leaves from my tree, knowing full well that they will die.
0: well I Thank hate you. to leave it on that note because that's a bit depressing but um, <laughs> I suppose no. that is the inevitable end <laughs> precisely,
2: precisely precisely precisely
0: I went through this patch over the past few months where I tried to let go of you know nostalgia and the kind of gloom of nothingness you know and I think that you know I'm okay with the idea of nothingness but for me it's really imp- I'm a, I feel like I'm a, a maker and I need to create things and if it's even just mm, you know, music mm, or mm, whatever mm, the, the story or love whatever it's going to be I mean we're alive and we need to do something with that and you know play is one thing but I think there's really important work for us all to do to somehow make um, you know even the play and the kind of nothingness more of our reality and not take ourselves so seriously and not focus ourselves on creating so much useless harmful stuff that is just unrequired you know let's do less play more love more and figure out a way to, to make it happen
1: this has been fantastic Thank you for the opportunity. I, I bless you for that. And with a bit of luck, we just might have added value to the lives of those that finally listen to this. And I look forward to the next conversation. Me too.
0: Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.
1: Take care, Take care my friend.
0: You too.
2: Bye bye.